Welcome back into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank as promised joining me now, another friend of mine, a guy that you guys may remember from his time here, uh, working for the advertiser on the beat for Louisiana's raging Cajuns back in the, the late two thousands. And he is a mid-major columnist for blue ribbon sport contributing editor. And, uh, two times he was the U S basketball writers association, two time winner of the uh, best writing contest Josh Parrott is our guest right now to talk a little college hoops and Cajun hoops. Josh, man, it's great having you on the show. How's life? Going good, man. You know, just like, uh, you know, you and I were just kind of talking a second ago, you know, you got young kids and, you know, school's out and summertime and those are great, wonderful moments and then present some interesting challenges when uh, you're trying to keep kids occupied and you're, uh, you know, you got some work you got to do, and, and you you want to want to keep the kids safe. So it, it it's all good stuff, though. Uh, life is good. Um, reminded regularly of uh, uh, coming in contact with them here in the Houston area. I regularly come in contact and see people from Louisiana, and it, so I, I have great memories of my time there, and, and really enjoy doing what I can to stay in touch uh, with with those that I got to know while I was there. And so you know, happy to. Uh, talk with you today and then talk about Cajun hoops, man. Well, college hoops in general, it's it's funny. Uh, our old mutual friend Jay Walker and I were chatting yesterday just about Coach K and, you know, Roy Williams and the, the older uh, generation of coaches and some of them hanging it up or announcing they're hanging it up and how much college hoops has changed. And, um, you know, back in the mid to late 2000s, you saw more transfers in college basketball than you did in the other college sports. And on top of that, it was just still different, right? You got to sit out a year, year of eligibility. Now with the transfer portal and how much it's changed, like for a guy like you, that's, that's covering college hoops constantly. How hard is it to, to just keep up with, the transfer portal and how many people are in it and out of it and in it again and then the next season and where are they heading like how do you keep tabs on all this josh well i'm uh, you know being honest the i have a great luxury now in that um you know as, as the mid-major major columnist you know for the last 10 years with with basketball times it was a much different approach to that beat and, and being able to cover a little bit more of a national scale and and not the daily uh, type of grind that I did uh, previously when I was with the advertiser and uh, the same deal with, uh, with Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. You know, I've been a contributing editor for them for the last 10 years. I actually just got bumped up and I'm, I'm now an, an assistant editor working with Chris Dorch and uh, some more responsibilities there. And, but it's just, it's a different, um, it's a, it's just a different approach to the, to the beat. And it, it's not the, having to track and cover this stuff. I mean, in some ways the portal has been wonderful because it provides kind of a central location where if you can get the access, you can find out kind of who's going and who's on the move. And, and it's kind of more of an official sense than what it used to be kind of more, you know, over time you'd maybe eventually hear about somebody moving on or, you, you know, maybe the season would come up and you'd be like, wait, this guy isn't on the roster. What's going on now with social media, and with the transfer portal, I mean, it's pretty pretty much out there pretty quickly uh, whether a guy just decides it's time to move on, whether a coaching staff kind of has a, has a discussion with a player and they kind of 
agree to agree that, you know, it's probably best for both sides to move on and part ways. Um, and then, gosh, I mean, we even have kids now with social media that are making announcements of what, you know, summer camps they're going to go to as high school athletes. And, you know, so it, it's, it, it, it's incredibly difficult to track and follow. Uh, it's been interesting, not just with, not just with COVID. COVID itself has really created just pure chaos for, I mean, just so many of us and so many sad stories to hear of, uh, of things that have happened to people and families and, and separation and whatnot, not being able to see, uh, you know, family and friends and funerals and weddings and all that. But then you add in from, from the sports dynamic of basically this last year was played, but uh, collegiate athletes are basically getting a free year if they want it. And I think that was the right move by the NCAA uh, but then you add in the fact that basically it's a free transfer year on top of that. And it, it already the movement of players has really risen to just unbelievable levels between that and then the, the, the NLI issue with name and image and likeness. And it, it's college basketball, college sports. It, I mean, just in the time since I left Louisiana has morphed and changed in so many different ways. Uh, it, it's almost impossible to track. Uh, you, you're getting 50 to 100 new kids in the portal pretty much on a regular basis. Uh, more than a thousand kids. Uh, I think it was more around 1,500, maybe even 1,600 last I checked. Um, a lot of those kids aren't even going to find a new place to go. Uh, there's just not enough numbers, enough spots for guys to end up and, and kind of make the moves that they want. Some will bounce down to D2 lower levels. Some will never find another spot. It's really ultimately the trickle-down effect Scott's going to affect the high school athlete, I think, more than anybody. You're going to see kids that were getting recruited that were kind of fringe three-star guys and maybe lower that aren't going to get opportunities because college programs and coaches are more concerned about winning more immediately. And the concern of losing a high school guy that you sign after a year, you'd much rather go in if you can get a kid who's played a couple years in college, who has some experience. They're going to go that route more than likely. So – how we see this going in the long term, it won't be as crazy because we won't have COVID every year, God willing. Uh, but otherwise, it's, it's, it's going to eventually balance out. But we're going to see a lot of more player movement, and you're going to see more team building and less program building moving ahead. Do you find that Josh Parrott, our guest, ESPN 1420, and all the coaches that you talk to, do you find that – a generational gap in terms of like are are some of the older coaches not crazy about it while some of the younger coaches like are are all into it is it is it kind of mixed across the board do most coaches like it dislike it like what's what's been the general consensus in your mind in terms of the overall reaction from coaches to these uh these changes in college hoops oh well, you know like so many things got on the record I mean, they're, they're all for it. They're supportive. They're encouraging. But in part, uh, you know, in, in, in embracing the idea of student-athletes having more freedom and whatnot to make moves and transfer. But ultimately, uh, it, it's a pretty widespread consensus that it, it's, it's making it more and more challenging to build a program. When you have, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of coaches I talked to just last offseason – going into the season uh, with some of the delays and whatnot that were going on, even then, them still not knowing who exactly was going to be coming back, how their roster was going to shake out, having to sign, uh, try to evaluate and sign guys 
that they didn't even get to see in person because of COVID restrictions. Uh, it just, it, it, and it's really made it to where in years past, maybe you'd sign three, four guys in an off season and you would expect that you would keep probably three of those guys over the next couple of years. And now it seems as if you're almost lucky if you can keep one of those guys over a couple of years, because it, it just, if you sign a guy out of high school, if he doesn't play as much or for whatever reason, he just doesn't like it. He can bounce after that one year. You sign a guy that that's maybe a transfer already the COVID year. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's given them another year to play the double transfers. They have to still go for a waiver and whatnot, but in, and with COVID and everything else going on, those things are basically going, those types of situations are going to go through those waivers are going more than like almost, 100% likely going to get granted just with all the craziness of the past year. But then you start talking about like junior college guys. Uh, it just, there's really, it, it's making it hard to kind of establish that foundation. I think the coaches are kind of feeling that to where years ago, you knew if you signed a kid more than likely, yeah, you sign a high school guy, he might say, Hey, I'm going to leave, go to a junior college and then bounce back to another place in another couple of years. You sign a junior college guy, you know that guy's going to stay with you um, unless something crazy happens because he's already played somewhere else. He has limited, uh, you know, kind of availability in terms of future opportunities to play. And now what's happened is we've gone a little bit more in the direction of the, the opportunity for guys to do the grad transfer route. And then for a guy to kind of have that one time where they can transfer, it, it's really created a situation where you're recruiting guys, you get them, then you keep them there and you have to find a way to keep them there, re-recruit them basically year after year throughout the year. And there's a chance you could still lose them. Then you're having to not only evaluate high school players, prep uh, guys who are going to prep school, junior college athletes, but then you're also tracking in some ways guys at lower levels, division two guys, you're kind of having to track who might be on the move, who might be potential recruits for you down the line. And then even you're evaluating what's happening across the country at the division one level, wondering if, you recruit a guy out of high school, uh, maybe he went somewhere else, and then trying to kind of keep tabs on, well, how's he doing? How are things going? Is this maybe a guy that we could we could track down later on down the line if he looks to go on the move? I don't know how they do it because it, we already joked around about how recruiting never stops. Now it literally never does. Yeah, it never will. You got to recruit your exactly. own team from within. It's it's nuts. I mean, it's exactly. just it's. <laughs> It's it's different, but that's where we are. Josh Parrott, our guest, ESPN 1420. At Joshua Parrott on Twitter, uh, mid-major basketball columnist. So, Josh, let, I want before I let you run, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, some of these new players for the Cajuns earlier this week. Uh, versatile guard Antoine Jones, last played at Creighton, um, had a few stops. Uh, he's a Florida native, but committed to UL, uh, announced on social media. Um and he is one of four additions to the Cajuns this year via the transfer portal. Uh, you have Jordan Brown, last season's Pac-12 Sixth Man of the Year, uh, Lafayette High Product, and Greg Williams Jr., who was at St. John's, and then Jalen Dalcourt, I think, who signed a, a grant and aid, a former LCA product that played last season at San Jose State. But you also got Malik Wilson, who transferred to Texas Tech, Jacoby Gordon, Devin, Be uh, Devin Butts, Chris uh, Spinhook, they all left. They're all currently in the transfer portal. So four out, four in. Might seem like a lot, though. I think this is, again, kind of the new normal, if you will. Uh, what can you tell us about these newcomers for the Cajuns? Let's start with the most recent addition, uh, Antoine Jones. 
Uh, Antoine Jones is a guy who actually, you know, all these guys that we talked about are guys who are highly acclaimed coming out of high school. And, and, you know, Antoine Jones and Greg Williams Jr. is another guy, Jordan Brown as well. Those guys are all highly acclaimed high school recruits. Uh, Antoine Jones originally, uh, he, before he even got to college, uh, he, he was going to go to Texas A&M. He ended up at Memphis, played at Memphis for a year. Uh, his numbers didn't completely jump off the board. They played about 17, 18 minutes a game there. And then he ended up going to Creighton. He is a big, strong, tough guard, a guy who can really get to the rim, and he's very versatile and can defend a number of different spots. I think in this league, in the Sun Belt, at his size at about 6'6", six, six, you know, he's in the 200-pound range, you know, he's a, he's a bigger, stronger guy. He, he won't be relegated to just – playing guard he's, he's going to be big enough to and versatile enough to where I think he's going to be able to help them uh, over at you know some of the forward positions in those situations we've become such a the game has become so positionless that it, it's it's almost hard sometimes to kind of describe and explain how some of these guys can kind of step in and help but Antoine Jones is very is very versatile and he's going to be able to help in this league uh, at his size going to be able to help on the wing more so than just at the guard spot. And I think he, he might not come in and put, you know, put up amazing individual numbers, but he's going to do a lot of different things that are going to help, uh, not just his teammates, but the team in general. There, there was a lot of consensus from uh, Creighton fans that in many ways he was kind of a, uh, a heartbeat for them this past season and really uh, provided some of those intangibles that you need with a successful program. And I can really see him doing that at this level as well. I do think he'll put up better numbers uh, individually. And I, and I think ultimately you're going to see him playing a very important role, not just statistically, but also in the intangible range with leadership and just doing a lot of little things and providing some of that toughness that you need. All right, uh, some local products. Jalen Dalcourt coming from San Jose State, LCA, uh, Lafayette Christian Academy product. Signed a grant aid with the Cajuns. Uh, how much do you see him seeing the floor next season? Well, he it, it, that's going to be interesting. It's really ultimately going to depend, Scott, on, on how well he shoots. Um, he's a guy who has been a proven shooter. Um, uh, you know, he was a big-time scorer when he was in high school. Um, very, very good athlete as well. Um, he ended up going to two different junior colleges. He averaged uh, double digits, both to Tallahassee Community College and Iowa Western. He shot well from three-point range at both stops. And then uh, this past season showed again that he can shoot the ball from deep at San Jose State. It's going to ultimately, how much time he sees the floor is going to depend on how well he shoots it. Um, you know, he's not a bigger guard like we've seen. Uh, you know, like Devin Butts was a bigger guard in, in that, you know, 6'6 six, six range. Uh, Dallincourt is, is listed at 6'1", so he's a little bit on the, on the smaller side there. But if he can shoot the ball, he's going to be out there. Uh, at times, we saw this past season between uh, Butts, uh, Devin Butts, and then Malik Wilson. Malik Wilson took a step back offensively uh, from a shooting standpoint. Uh, his numbers dipped pretty significantly. Uh, he is going to Texas Tech. I do think that he's still a quality player and a guy with a tremendous amount of potential and a great athlete. But I think in bringing in Dallinport, you're, you're bringing in a guy who's an improvement uh, from the shooting stance, and I, and I think that's something that is important and is needed. Um, and, and exactly how much time he's going to see on the floor, again, ultimately will depend on how well he shoots it. 
And then when he is out there, if he's able to defend, uh, you know, just uh, be able to stop his guy and do his job defensively, we've, we've seen that that's an important thing with Bob Marley and his groups too. He's going to have to be able to defend. Josh Parrott, our guest, ESPN 1420, a baseball writer. So, Josh, the uh, the other one, Greg Williams Jr., been in St. John's for a couple of years, Lafayette High Product. Um, wh- what about him, and, and how much eligibility does he have left, and, and what do you anticipate him doing on this roster? Well, I, I would say out of the two of them, between Dallincourt and Williams, you know, Williams, Williams played more uh, at a higher level in terms of just being at St. John's. Um, I mean, gosh, I, Scott, I'm old enough to remember Luke Carnesecca and, you know, Chris Mullins was, right. and, and Mark Jackson were a little bit before uh, my time when I was really cognizant and aware of what was going on. But, I mean, St. John's is such a great history. And, and I always thought that was an interesting and great thing for Greg to be able to go up there and play uh, with the program like that with such a storied tradition. Uh, you know, as far as his eligibility, uh, I believe that he does still have two years left to play. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, because he, he played three years at St. John's and then he gets the extra year. Uh-huh. So he would have two more years to play for them. Uh, you know, right at double digits, uh, a very good defender and can really shoot the ball well. Uh, he's a bigger guard, uh, listen, that six three six, And I think ultimately he's coming in and he's going to have an opportunity to step right in. And uh, alongside Cedric Russell, I think, I mean, gosh, Cedric Russell, just what a – it's been really neat to follow him too. You know, originally he was going to go to LSU and then ended up deciding to play for the Cajuns has battled injuries and has become, you know, a first team all conference player. And just, uh, I, I think with both Cedric Russell and Greg Williams out there, the, the Cajuns are going to have uh, a tremendously strong experienced uh, backcourt where not only can their guys score the ball, they can shoot it as well. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting big things from Greg Williams. And I, and I think that he's going to put up, um, going to be a, an all-conference type caliber player for them. You mentioned uh, Cedric Russell there, Josh, and uh, announced yesterday officially. You know, Bob Marlin told us that uh, Russell and Duguay, two seniors, uh, plan to return. They're practicing with the team, and obviously, that's that's big for the Cajuns. I mean, these guys can play. I mean, Cedric Russell, just a really good player. Bottom line. Um, I, I think he has a chance to be, if not conference player of the year, definitely, again, first-team all-conference guy who just does a lot of things well, shoots the ball, scores, and provides great leadership. And then, you know, Duguay, you know, nine and eight, you know, nine points, eight rebounds. I, I think if he really zeroes in and focuses in on being a, being a defender and a rebounder and, and maybe takes a, a, a couple, couple fewer shots from the outside and kind of works on kind of getting the ball to the guys who, who can shoot it consistently – uh, and just focus on being a defender and a rebounder, I think that he has a chance uh, to really be an important player for the Cajuns. And then, you know, Kobe Julian, the guy who's been battling back from injuries, I still think he has a lot of talent and a lot of potential. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Theo Akuba is just almost averaging a double-double defensive player of the year in the conference. Uh, him coming back, I think he has a chance to have an even bigger and more special year this up- upcoming season. Theo Akuba. Uh, Jordan add Jordan Brown into the mix. Yeah, there you go. American that's coming in from Arizona. If he's able to play as a double transfer, I mean, gosh, it's, there, there's a lot of potential here for this group to, I think, have a lot of success next season. Akuba named the LSWA newcomer of the year. Second team LSWA. Cedric Russell named first team. But you just mentioned the last guy I was going to ask you about, uh, that being um, Jordan Brown and Pac-12 sixth man of the year a season ago. Uh, spent time in Nevada, spent time in Arizona. Many know him as the son of 
UL Hall of Famer Dion Brown. Let's close on that note, Josh. What kind of impact do you anticipate him having if he uh, if he's able to get to UL and and stays for a little while? Uh, immediate impact guy. Um, he's he's not the big. You know, he's six eleven. Uh, listed two twenty five. Uh, he is listed as a forward though. So a lot like Akwuba, you know, he's he's not that traditional kind of just going to stay in the in the low post and, and not mobile at all. He's actually able to step out. Uh, he put up really good numbers this past season. I think did a tremendous job in the sixth man role, being the Pac-12 sixth man of the year. Um, I know that he probably would have loved to have been out there, but ultimately as a starter, but ultimately if you're playing the minutes that matter in important situations, that that's what's the most important. And, and, you know, for him to be able to put up, you know, right at 10 points, five rebounds, about a block a game, uh, shoot efficiently from the floor in the Pac-12. Um, you know, that situation at Arizona had been kind of tumultuous for a few seasons now with Sean Miller. And, and to see Jordan Beale have the opportunity to come back, the Cajuns recruited him several times. Uh, he ultimately, as a McDonald's All-American, went to Nevada, didn't play a whole lot there, ended up transferring, going to Arizona, sitting out a year, and then ultimately playing this past season. So he, he adds experience. He has great length, and I think he's going to be a guy that is going to show some versatility for a guy who's 6'11", and I think ultimately be kind of a twin tower type guy next to Theo Akuba, and I think with the guard play that you have that's going to help space the floor uh, for everyone, I think there's going to be more room to operate inside offensively for the Cajuns. I think there's going to be more uh, open looks and good looks for the guards to get outside, whether it's working the ball inside out um, or, or just trying to make plays and kicking it back out. I, I think ultimately there's a lot of room and opportunity for the Cajuns to be better. Uh, and I think ultimately it's just going to end up if Jordan Brown's able to be eligible to double transfer. And then how are the other new guys going to kind of step in and how, how's a Greg Williams? Uh, how's an, uh, you know, how is a uh, uh, court? How are some of these other guys going to kind of accept their role uh, adjust to a new group around them, and again, injuries. How how healthy can these guys be, and just how are they going to kind of mesh and develop that chemistry? It's uh, how we got through this past year, Scott. I don't really know. It's kind of crazy and wild to track and follow. Um, I'm hoping we don't have anything like this ever again in any of our lives, personally or professionally. Uh, to see these guys fight through it, I think speaks a lot to the uh, just the character and the. Uh, I guess, determination that they have. I think ultimately there, there's an opportunity for the Cajuns to have a special season. They're just going to have to stay healthy and kind of put it all together. I know they're already getting that chance, getting out there and working out together here this week. Josh Parrott has been our guest. Check him out on Twitter at Joshua Parrott, and then uh, you can see all of the other links there, Basketball Times mid-major columnist and uh, contributor. As he mentioned, he's uh, he's worked his way up and, now, what did you say? You were recently promoted, Josh. I know that all that means is, uh, yeah. is more writing. Yeah, I'm work, work, working as an, uh, as an associate editor with, with Chris Storch now. And that, that's a little bit of a few more responsibilities, a little bit more editing, still doing the writing and everything. But, uh, you know, it, this is uh, considered the Bible of college basketball, uh, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. And uh, it, it's a tremendous honor to be able to work with Chris and to know some of the, the guys that continue to write with us and who have written for us in the past. Um, it, it's, it's a great, wonderful thing that I'm able to do from home and continue to be a single dad for my kids, and it, it's, uh, it's a tremendous blessing. And so 
we printed last year, even with some of the uncertainty of COVID. And uh, we are we are back to our regular deadlines and, and pushing ahead for a more regular college basketball season this upcoming season. So if you all are ever looking for anything, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook is uh, we, we write thousand words plus on every team in the entire country, uh, hundreds of pages. Uh, great resource you can get in a tablet version where you can have it on your phone when you're walking around, or you can get the old school. Uh, Old, you can get the old school print version as well and, and trug that thing along with you. But um, I've, I've loved working with Chris and, uh, you know, my time in Louisiana helped me get there. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I'm always uh, glad I get a chance to talk with you about Cajun hoops. And I'm, um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens, Scott. I think Bob Marlin's got a, a very strong group of players here. And I, there, there's a, there should be some uh, optimism, I think, within the fan base to see what they're able to do once they get out on the floor. Yeah, it's uh, – it'll <laughs> – Interesting is a great word, man. It'll be an interesting season, to say the least. But Josh Barrett has been our guest, old friend of mine from his uh, time here in Lafayette. It doesn't feel like that long ago yet, Josh. It's It's been a minute, man. But um, all the best yep. and uh, all the best to, to the kids as well. Thanks for coming on the show, and let's chat again soon. Ten years have flown by pretty quick, Scott. I appreciate you, my friend, and uh, I'm always willing to come on and talk with you. Take care of your kiddos and your bride, and, and we'll catch up whenever we can again. You got it. At Joshua Parrot on Twitter, guys. Go give him a follow.